Welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and we kick off a brand new month after ending our jam-packed January. I did not mean for that to be alliteration every time I say it on the show, but it's there, and I will accept it and internalize it. Um, but no, we're, we're into February now, and I thought that a fun way to kind of kick off the month would be to uh, take a look back at a moment that has not left my brain, has not left so many people's brains, uh, still lives and persists every day on Twitter because I'm constantly reminded of it. And we honestly did not unpack it fully on this show. Um, AC Max IWTV Independent Pro Wrestling uh, World Championship win at Southeast First back in January. Uh, it's a moment that is going to stand the test of time. It's it's truly one of the few historic moments left in pro wrestling now that has been accomplished. And it was just all around uh, just a... A touching and um, monumental moment to watch in just pro wrestling, taking out all the other contexts. Just it, from a pro wrestling standpoint, it was amazing. You know, we had AC on the show before, heading into that match. We talked about it briefly last week on the show, but it needed its own moment to be fully, fully understood and discussed. And here with me to talk about that is my. Lovely partner, Casey. Hey. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, been a day. It, I just got my flu shot and COVID booster together. I don't know why I did that to myself. It, I don't know either. I just wanted it to get done. Everybody, go get your booster. Go get your flu vaccine. Maybe not at the same time. No. But S- go get vaxxed. Same arm? Different arm? Different arm. Okay. <laughs> COVID in my left, the flu in my right. But actually, the flu shot feels worse. I, you know what? I was talking about this on Twitter last week. But I got my flu shot. That shit is wor- was so much worse than when I got the, the vaccine. Still not boosted yet. But yeah, soon. soon. I will say this, though. Whenever I got my flu shot, if they would have offered me the boost, I would have gotten it, too. So I would have been all double shoulder banded <laughs> complaining about my joints not working alongside you. Um, but... Shots aside, we have uh, a match to talk about here. A match that, you know, as I said just a few minutes before, was truly historic in, in many different ways. AC Mack and Alex Shelley uh, for the IWTV World Championship down at Southeast First in Tyrone, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta, um, both of our old stomping grounds. Um, talk to me a little bit about seeing the about how this match made you feel, because obviously... Um, you know, there's a whole lot of like cultural connotations to this, you know, whether it be location, race, sexuality, there's a whole bunch of different stuff that goes into this moment and and why it adds significance to it. What is it for you whenever you uh, watch this match with me that kind of made you feel, um, or how, how did you feel rather? Um, I loved this match just cultural context aside this match was super super engaging for me like um i'm sure it was because of the energy that you could feel from the crowd just watching um so first thoughts are of course that 
this was one of the best matches that I've seen like live or on TV before. Um, just like with how engaging it was for me personally. And then um, just generally, I love AC. I, every time I see him, um, <laughs> I'm always rooting for him. So uh, I think we'll probably dig into some of the cultural significance of it more. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, you have to with this. Like to to not really like look at, at all of the different signifiers around this match is to do it a disservice, honestly, because like, you know, I, I'm with you. Like I, the match itself is outstanding. I think it was beautifully put together and, and worked by AC and Alex together. So well received by the audience. Oh my God. We get, okay. Let's, let's talk about the crowd at, <laughs> at the action center down there or the action zone. I can never remember. I'm sorry, Matt. I can never remember <laughs> if it's the action zone or the action center. Uh, down there in Tyrone, but uh, as like I've been in that building once before, you know, um, the the one time <laughs> it, it was actually um, one of the first times I I remember seeing AC Mac was whenever I went to an action show back in like December 2019 there, and that building can get loud, and it, it was loud that night. <laughs> I have never heard of that building as loud as it was through the speakers on on our TV watching that match and watching the crowd react, not just to the match, but just to AC Max entrance, <laughs> just whenever his music hit the pop and, and the sustained energy from the crowd throughout like his entrance, his, his promo before the match started throughout the match. You see all of the, the wrestlers and fans crowd the, the ring alongside like Matt and, and others that were there um, running the show, running different aspects of the show just pounding the mat, empowering AC to continue on. It's the kind of stuff that gives you goosebumps every time you think about it, honestly. Yeah, and for me, just um, being able to feel that sort of energy, um, for me, really draws me in as a viewer, Um and like I said, I've just never really seen that with other matches. Obviously, there was a ton of significance behind this match, so it makes sense, like, what was driving the crowd. But it was just really nice to see that reaction um, from an audience in Georgia. Like, first time I visited Georgia before I moved there, um, Atlanta specifically, um, I was super excited because... Um, there were a ton of like very visible gay bars and just like queer uh, establishments. Or yeah, yeah. Or... There just the the like tons of like the queer community was really visible yeah. in the parts that um, I was staying in with my sister, um, and it just felt a lot different than um, Portland did because. Um, Portland is definitely not like some sort of queer haven or anything. In fact, it's definitely got its issues, but um, it's less, it's still less stigmatized here than in other parts of the country. Um, and when I was first visiting Atlanta over a decade ago, um, <laughs> it was just so important to have that visibility. And so to see that sort of, grow and develop over time to essentially this match um, was just really exciting for me. No, I mean, you're, you're 
I think you're spot on, honestly. You know, like I think Atlanta over the past like 10, 15 years has developed that reputation for being much more outward in how it represents the queer community and and how empowered the queer community in that city, especially, well, I don't know about, well, yeah, we'll just say the city. Um, mm-hmm. the, the queer people in the city can feel empowered to um, really just kind of be, be themselves and be outwardly themselves in, in a way. I will say this, and we've we've talked about this multiple times uh, just in conversations together, like it is definitely much easier to be gay or lesbian in Atlanta than it is to be any other part of the LGBTQ spectrum. Right. But at the same time, you know, you think you wouldn't think that there would be a queer bastion in in the south per se and one thing that also makes it so important for me with ac uh just of course the intersectionality like a lot of the queer um like hot spots that i'm referring to um it's it's predominantly white people so like it was incredibly white yeah it's okay to be gay or lesbian especially if you were a white gay or lesbian person and then there's just um still what feels like a huge cultural divide from when I was living there like it just felt so much like I had to pick and choose like am I black or am I queer they can't be intertwined at all even though that is just my experience I am both of those always um so just having AC represent that represent me in that area it just feels really good yeah and i think that that speaks to kind of a lot of the the overarching messages that that come out of this moment this match itself because like ac mac doesn't isn't lying whenever he says he's the most decorated champion in the southeast he's he's the most decorated champion in the that region's independent pro wrestling scene for a reason He's incredibly talented. He's so talented on the mic that I, sometimes I forget how talented he is in the ring, and then he shows me <laughs> every time I watch one of his matches because he's he's like he's an all around uh, top tier talent and um, so deserving of holding this championship. But to have that win. After this whole six-month-long saga that he's been on, you know, teasing when this match is going to happen, um, and calling for his shot, uh, to have it happen in Atlanta, I think, speaks volumes. Um, because, or in the Southeast, rather, since it was just outside of Atlanta. Right. Well, who, <laughs> everything around Atlanta is still considered Atlanta by a lot of people. So we're, we'll just, for de facto, we'll go with Atlanta uh, for right now. But... Um, it, it holds such significance because of like what you're talking about, about the intersectionality that we see there. You know, Atlanta is the blackest city. Atlanta is one of the queerest cities in the country. And, you know, sometimes those communities, there's an intersection there, but you don't always see it inside the city. Um, and to take that and thrust it to the forefront in, in the way that, the, that AC is done by pulling no punches and making sure that you know that he is the best in that region and now in the world by holding that title. Um, 
it almost it almost like speaks to like the embodiment of the spirit of that city in a way and i don't want to mm-hmm. put like i don't want to like limit him to just being like a, a spirit of of one city you know like he said in the promo afterwards like people labeled him george's finest but he is so much more than that and that's right. very 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 true but at the same time like there's a reason why he always introduced himself introduced himself as being born and raised in the swats of atlanta georgia like he is ingrained in that city and that city is ingrained in him and for for that moment to happen there where he could be in front of the people that have watched him rise and have built and and in the building that he helped build by holding the action championship for nearly 800 days like it's it all comes together to make one of the more emotional and, and touching moments that I can remember in, in recent pro wrestling history for me. I could definitely feel it from you when we were watching it together. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... So, fun... Let's. I'll tell that story real quick, because I think it's funny, personally. So, funny thing about Friday nights in, in, in our house, uh, we do... We play D&D with our friends. Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Just to make sure... Giant fucking everyone nerds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know... So we played D and D on Friday nights. Southeast versus on a Friday night. So um, I knew, like, based off of the time differences here, I knew that the show was going to run into D and D time. And you know, I don't like they can't get out of it because I'm the dungeon master. Well, I was trying to get out of it. Or anything, I know, but like, but you know, like, I didn't want to be. I like to give my full attention to to things because you know I like playing the game and I respect you and I don't want to die. So. Um, <laughs> So I watched Southeast first uh, from from the beginning of the show, but right around um, the middle of the Violence is Forever versus uh, Jaden Newman and Eric Royal match, which was the the match right before AC and Alex, um, we had to start the game with our friends. And so I, I, I feel ashamed saying this, but I didn't get to watch the match live because of that. Um, so I... I kept Twitter open though, <laughs> <laughs> and the I saw the clips coming out. I saw the gifts and everything, and then I saw that the moment when it happened, and um, I literally had to cut off whatever anybody. I can't remember what the conversation was at the moment in the game, but I had to cut it off, and just like I need a five minute break. I ran downstairs. <laughs> I thought something was wrong because it was just so sudden. <laughs> Because I was about to cry. <laughs> I was about to cry because I just found out that, like, the first ever open, like, out gay male, LGBTQ male world champion had just been crowned. Like, pro- <laughs> like it was literally one of the moments that is probably, like, just from, like, the field that I work in, like, one of the most significant moments in pro wrestling history just happened. And, like, I... I about I almost lost it before I even made it downstairs. So I, I tell everybody on Discord just like, "Yo, I need five minutes and run downstairs and just like, just gush and open up to to Casey, um, and like make sure they know that nothing's wrong because <laughs> that's where my brain goes. Yeah, first. and just like like just, he did it, he fucking did it. He won he won the title and I almost cried again. Um. And then, so, it's just, uh, and then that's, that was even before watching the match. It was, That was just from knowing that he won the title. So then when we got to, we watched the match the next morning when the VOD went up, and 
it all came back again, stronger. Because we the, the match itself was like a 20-minute classic in my brain. Um, the Like I said before, amazingly worked. Alex Shelley knew his fucking job, and he did it so well. That dude is such a professional. If, I, if, if people didn't already know that Alex <laughs> Shelley is a professional 20 years into the game so far... That dude knew exactly the role he he was supposed to play, and he played it so well. And I cannot commend him enough. But that my, that night was AC's moment, and he held on to that stage the same way that he has done with every stage that he's been given. All right, Yens, thank you so much for tuning into LGBT in the Ring. Um, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Black designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at Quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service uh, you can follow the show on twitter at lgbt ring pod you can follow me on twitter at wonderboy otm and if you're into video games definitely check out my video game news show the mr video game super show i co-host that with uh, twitch streamers slacker kite and lady Merwin every monday at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific over on twitch.tv slash dead sun entertainment uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. And that speech that he gave after the match, um, I think is probably... The match itself is, is stuck with me, too. There are moments in the match that replay in my head. Um... But the speech, I think, is the thing that's going to stand the test of time even more. That's what sticks out to me the most. Yeah. Like, I remember the match less so because, like, I remember the emotions that I was feeling as I was watching it. And um, I remember the crowd. That just really stood out to me because um, I think that played into how how deeply I was feeling about the match. Um but then the speech afterwards itself is what really sticks out to me. What ab- what about it stuck out to you, do you think? The Obviously, number, there's a lot there. there. There is a lot there. The number one thing is him saying that anybody who's going to challenge him for that has to go to the Southeast. Mm, why is that? I'm curious. Um, he's repping. <laughs> he's repping. And I, I don't know... I don't know what it is about that, but that just that shows his importance and significance. Like he said, if he's going to go anywhere, you're flying him out 
first, am I making this up? He said that, right? Oh, that they would be flying him out if... Flying him out, flying him out Delta. Delta, that's right, <laughs> <Yes>. Delta. <laughs> um, or, you know, just they have to go to him. Exactly. And that's just a power move. It is very much a power move, and it is very much in, in I think, the spirit of, of not just AC, but also action. In, okay. In, way, in that, whole, that whole region, really. Because, like, this whole show... You know, just kind of break away from from the main event here for just a second. This whole show was really just a showcase of a region that has always been such a weird paradox for pro wrestling in my brain and I think a lot of other people's brains. Because, you know, growing up in Georgia, like I did, you always viewed Atlanta and Georgia as like a pro wrestling staple because of the NWA and Jim Crockett promotions and and Georgia Championship Wrestling, this his, this this decades-long history that of, of pro wrestling dating back to, like, the 60s and 70s. But it, it never... Growing up, at least for me, like, in the 90s, like, it didn't really feel like it was that any like anymore. Like, you were always told that's what it was. And WCW was still around, and they were they headquartered there, and, and they ran a lot of shows in Atlanta, but it just never really felt like it didn't live up to the hype not necessarily even that it's just it just didn't feel like something that was in, inherent to georgia mm. per se and you know this is also at a time where like the independent scene was definitely a, a different beast altogether than what it is now or what it even was like 10 years ago so like you were always told that georgia was um uh a major spot for pro wrestling, but growing up there outside of WCW, I never really f- saw it or felt it. You know, I was always looking around for it. Even whenever I moved to Atlanta, whenever I was, you know, after college and stuff like that, I, I was always looking around for it, but it was hard to find sometimes. Like I, I joked with AC about this on the show earlier, but like, this is the kind of show that I wish would have happened when I was going to, Platinum Championship Wrestling shows at, at the Masquerade a decade ago. You know, whenever I was going to like the the independent the independent shows that were running, but you know they were just like stuff that was just either just starting or was like um, you know not as well known. You know that sort of thing. And they were those shows were fun. Do not get me wrong. Like I remember, I have good memories of watching Shane Marks and Bordell Walker and. Uh, Nagicism and all those cool people there. Shout out Jeter. Um, but at the same time, like it just, it felt like Atlanta was supposed to be a hotbed, and it never lived up to that for me. It was it was a fun night out. It was a fun thing to go check out, but it just had never felt like the reputation was there wherever I was looking at it. You know, and like I know that that. You know, NWA Wildside was another company that was running there a, a, a lot throughout the throughout that time span before I got to the city, as well. So it feels like I missed like it, it felt like I always missed that era uh-huh. from whenever I from the times that I was living in the city. So to see all these companies come together and put on such an amazing show from all across the the southeast, not just Atlanta, not just Georgia, but you know, multiple states come together and put on a show like this and showcase what everybody's been sleeping on for years now. Like it finally made me feel like, okay, 
we have a scene that lives up to the reputation of Atlanta being a hotbed and pro wrestling again. And it sucks that I'm 3,000 miles away. (laughs) During a pandemic. During a pandemic. (laughs) Not that I'd be flying out there if there wasn't a pandemic going on right now. Weddings cost a lot. (laughs) But I digress. (laughs) Because let's get back to... Um, the the man who deserves this moment, AC Mack, and, and and that speech that he gave after, um, after the match, because like yes, there were a lot of comments they're talking about, you know how the southeast has been slept on, how AC Mack has been slept on, you know how he was told he needed to go up north to to make a, a name for himself, um, you know talked about how you know that he, people told him he wasn't going to do anything in pro wrestling because of the way he looked or the, the people who, who he slept with. And then that all culminates in this moment where he like stands there and like reminds everybody of how big this moment is by declaring himself, you know, the first out LGBTQ male world champion in pro wrestling history. Um, it is one of the most cathartic moments that I can think of. Every time I watch it, I feel my body empty. Like every stress and anxiety in in me, like just leaves my body for at least like a, a second. I'm like it is like it is probably the single greatest stress reliever because all I can feel is is happiness and joy and pride in in watching it. But at the same time, like that is a very very huge accomplishment for him, and it sucks that it took us until 2021 to get there, but. 2022. 2022. God. Yeah, 2022. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> 2022 to get there. But at the same time, like, AC Mag just feels right. Mm-hmm. Feels right for that spot. Um, You know, and like, I I was part of that research <laughs> in making in doubling, making sure that, that that was the case there, you know, and We've had out champions from, you know, the women's side of pro wrestling before. Obviously, Trisha Dora, mm-hmm. Nyla Rose, Paige, um, Sandy Parker, Susan Green. We've had, like, a handful of champions from that side, but never uh, out LGBTQ male. And now we do. And um, it... <sighs> Why do you think it took so long to get an out LGBTQ male specifically. I feel like homophobia puts it a little bit too lightly. The, the, like, better, the better way to put it, I think, is the idea of how a um, queer man operates in what is supposed to be, quote-unquote, or is viewed as a overly heterosexual environment. Right. You know, or, or, or over masculine environment, rather. You know, if, if you're talking about the, the more culturally traditional depictions and definitions of masculinity that hold no fucking weight anymore, in my <laughs> mind. But it's the same thing. Like when we talked, when we've um, looked at, you know, the NFL. You know, Carl Nassib was a huge story this year with becoming the first active gay player in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and for my entire lifetime, I've wondered why there haven't been gay players that were out. Because they're there. <laughs> oh, no, they definitely are. There's, like, 
double digits of them now that, that have come out since playing and that sort of thing. But but not while they were actively playing. No. Um, but I think one of the reasons that, that kind of kept people from being out in the league was because one of the major talking points, and this speaks to a larger cultural idea, but one of the major talking points around gay players in the NFL was like, well, wouldn't they be just a, they they wouldn't they just be a distraction? Wouldn't they just be something that could ruin the team chemistry? Like that's that it could make people feel uncomfortable in locker rooms and like it's a lot of the same talking points we hear about like other communities now that are being demonized in in the larger cultural sense, uh, unwarranted by by all means. Um, and Obviously, if that's going to happen in what I think a lot of people deem the most quote-unquote masculine sport, professional sport to be um, football, you take that and look at pro wrestling, another area, uh, athletic area, that takes on that same um, reputation. And, you know, obviously, it just kind of goes back to this idea that no matter how well somebody like a Pat Patterson, who was like, you know, it was a very poorly kept secret that he was gay to the people in the backstage area of all the different companies that he worked at, but no one in the in the audience, none of his fans really knew mm-hmm. for the longest time. You know, that I think that's that's kind of part of that disconnect too. Is that like. For as much as we know that the people behind the scenes were accepting and that sort of thing, pro wrestling never showed that to us, right? In a way, um, and because of that, it internalized a lot of feelings about like, oh, so we don't belong here unless we're trying to like mess with people or trying to fit into a place that we are never going to fit into, and the evolution of the presentation of. LGBTQ people and LGBTQ identities in pro wrestling over the past five, ten years has been um, a real eye-opener for a lot of people, I think, to see that, one, the traditional idea of what defines masculinity is um, exactly as um, false and um, easily broken as it is mm-hmm. and that masculinity doesn't have a definition it's all about how you perceive yourself and how you how you identify how you relate yourself. to masculinity and how you relate yes exactly how you relate to it and that sort of thing and and because of that we're seeing those ideas transition in pro wrestling now to the point where you have ac mac in the middle of that ring declaring himself rightfully the first out LGBTQ male world champion in pro wrestling history and an entire building, (laughs) an entire building in Tyrone, Georgia is applauding him and cheering him louder than I had heard them the entire night to that point. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. And then having it sealed with a kiss. Yes. Just so perfect. (laughs) Yes. That was another beautiful moment. One that I initially missed the first time that we watched it because I was like, too overjoyed like just like taking in the moment that i didn't even notice that he that he kissed his partner uh-huh. in, the, in the ring at near on camera yeah. yeah which shout out rico um <laughs> <laughs> like another you know he's, he's a pro wrestler down there training at wwa4 
And he was also, funnily enough, he refereed a match earlier in the night. He was running camera for a little while there. He was doing all the different stuff uh, at that show, um, including sharing a, a very poignant moment there with, with AC at the end of that show. Um, what did that moment like speak to you? What did it say to you to, to when watching that? It just, it felt really natural to me, which... Um that to me was huge that I even felt that way. That's really not something that I've seen in um, shows. Not that I've watched a ton necessarily in the grand scheme of things or anything, but it just felt real. It felt like there was connection between them. And I loved having that represented and shown um, cause I don't get that from like other heterosexual romance story type stuff in shows. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. It just, it was completely different. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Honestly, I, I think I've, I felt that as well. Like in terms of, it was a very sweet moment and you could definitely see the, the emotion in, in both of them and having that moment together. For me, it also kind of spoke to another like historical image or historical trope in, in pro wrestling. Trope might be too, I don't know, that, that word always sounds a little dismissive to me, even though it's not necessarily inherently that way. But um, there have been a lot of straight couples in pro wrestling. And there have been a lot of moments where a man wins a world title and his girlfriend, partner, wife, whatever will join in the ring. And you see those kind of moments where they kiss and embrace and and it feeds into the emotion of the moment in a way. I've just felt like that's usually like, she's usually a prop. I mean, sometimes yes, you are not wrong. (laughs) And maybe that's just because that's only what I've, seen from those moments because I haven't seen it too often and I'm sure that happened a lot more like in times that I have not watched with you <laughs> yes I look I'm not gonna sit here and, and say that every moment like that was not a point where like a, a female presence was not basically uh, something that felt like a prop or amounted to a prop I'm not gonna say that at all but at the same time there have been some of those moments that were like I think that's what makes the moments that are real, real. Or feel real that much more authentic and the ones that hit you. Mm-hmm. But I say all that to say that we've had moments where we've had, um, you know, same sex kisses in the ring mm-hmm. since then, but not like this. Right. This felt like one of those moments and I feel very bad that my brain is completely blanking on an example right now but this felt like one of those like in-ring moments that gets put into highlight packages um, and gets celebrated in, in pro wrestling circles for how it shows the the love between two people in that moment in a moment that is pure emotional catharsis mm-hmm. and what we saw at the end of Southeast First there with, with AC and Rico was the epitome of that. 
and one of the few times that it has felt really real um, in that way whenever we've seen a same-sex couple to have a moment like that. Right. And I think that's why, you know, that... And also the subtlety of it. I think that's another reason why I missed <laughs> it the first time I watched it. Because, like, it's not like a huge big thing. It's just like, you know, they're just embracing and kissing and people are cheering them on. And, you know, it's just... I don't it know. It wasn't played up just no. for show. It was just real. Not at all. And that's another thing I really liked about that night was that it wasn't... None of that was played up, really. Which is very in, in tune with how AC presents himself in a pro wrestling context, you know. Like, I'm pretty sure that's the first time I've actually seen him, like, in a ring mention anything about his sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely could be wrong, you know, but, like, I think that's another reason why it hits so close to home is that, like... You know, people probably... I mean, he's been on LGBT3 before this. He was on a year prior to this. So, like, people know. He's been on Pride shows. Like, people know. But people have never heard him say it in that environment, in that context, I think. Especially people in the audience. And I think that's just another reason why that hit so hard in a really, really good way. I'm... Fuck, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. <laughs> hmm. Well, um, I don't know if you had any like closing thoughts or, or anything else on your mind coming out of this match before we kind of wrap up here. Uh, not, not too much. Just that you know, I've enjoyed watching AC and you know, just seeing where he's gone, and I'm excited to see where he goes in the future. Likewise, I mean, there are definitely, there's IWTV title matches coming. I know he's got one coming up with David Ali down at Southern Honor. If that hasn't happened already, I I knew that one was coming. Um, You got other stuff going on. He's already been announced for Pro Wrestling Vibes, Pride and Vibe weekend. He's going to be up there. He's, he's, he's very adamant he's not defending the title because it's in Jersey. It's above the (laughs) Mason-Dixon line, so he's not defending the title, according to him. So, uh, but he's going to be there. He's going to be so many other places. Um, I, I'm thoroughly excited to watch this title run as it plays out because I have a feeling, like you said, Iris is going to be staying with him for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, for this night alone, um, like I said earlier, it felt like Southeast Pro Wrestling got its moment finally. It felt like AC got a long overdue moment and the entire queer community got a long overdue moment as well. A moment <laughs> over a hundred years in the making. Kanye West! Congratulations, Congratulations, can a young nigga get money anymore? Tell Peter my mink is dragging on the floor. Can I have a bad bitch without no flaws? Come to meet me without no draws. Dinner with Anna Winter, racing with Anya Rubik. I told you motherfuckers it was more than the music in the projects. One day the project one way we done heard all that loud ass talking. We used to it. I'm from where shorties fucked up, double cupped up. Might even kill somebody in YouTube it. So whoever think they words affect me is too stupid. And if you could do it better than me, then you do it. We fly in the parakeet, floating with no parachute. Six thousand dollar parachutes. We made it to the Paris news. 
Don't talk about style, cause I embarrass you. Shut the fuck up when you talk to me, for I embarrass you. Can a young nigga get money anymore? Tell Peter my mink is dragging on the floor. Can I have a bad bitch without no flaws? Come to meet me without no draws in the hole.